Well, today I hope is the last time that uh, I have to preach to a camera in an empty sanctuary, except for Michael Barber. Uh, next week we return here on campus to worship together, and I hope that uh, we never have to go back to this. So I'm really looking forward to seeing you and really to meet some of you that I still haven't met. I, I was thinking the other day, I think I've only met about a quarter of the congregation so far. So really looking forward to what I hope are things returning to normal. I know Anthony Fauci said that he thinks the pandemic is coming to an end. So if he can say it, I know that it's probably uh, going to happen. So anyways, great, great news. Uh, look forward to seeing you next week. We are continuing this series on uh, the Unleashed Church, taking a look at our, our church and our new vision and what God has for us as we open this really new chapter in the life of our church. Today I want to talk about enduring hope, and I want to uh, preach from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Paul and Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually remember you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that you have been chosen because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what happened when we visited you. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Let's pray together. God, we pray that today these would not simply be words, but that you would also infuse them with your power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I've lived life long enough to know that life has its ups and downs. And to realize that in many ways, life is cyclical. We have bad times followed by good times followed by bad times. In fact, one of my mottos for life is, this too shall pass. However, I have to say that these last few years have been tough years for us as a country and really as a world. We're living through a really unique and difficult time. It seems like every day I read a, an article about the mood in our country, how, how people are discouraged and having a hard time. 
article after article saying that Americans are struggling with discouragement, with uh, depression, with mental illness, and even anger. And it's no wonder. I mean, we're coming out of this pandemic that now has lasted just about two years. I remember when it first started, it was sometime in February, we thought that we'd be back in worship by Easter. And now here we come to the third Easter uh, after this pandemic has started, and we're hoping that we come back. But this pandemic has isolated us and, uh, from family and friends. We have experienced political polarization that has deeply divided our country, making us wonder whether our democracy will really survive. And on top of all that, the threat of climate change has become very real, it seems like, these past two years, causing us to really uh, wonder about the future of our world. Now, add to this all just the regular pressures of life, health concerns, raising kids, taking care of aging parents, paying for college, and you can see very clearly why our mood is kind of sour. Things seem uncertain. There's anxiety about the future. And kind of the net result of all this is that we're all a little tired. There's a lot of pressure on relationships and marriages. The burdens seem pretty heavy. There are many reasons to be discouraged. And yet, one of the great gifts of being a person of faith is this truth. No matter how dark things get, God can always, always bring light. And no, no matter how hard things are, God always promises us the possibility of new beginnings. There's always resurrection after death. And because of that, we can be people of hope, even in a world that sometimes seems very despairing. In fact, we are called to be people of hope. And we have seen examples throughout history of Christians who have had great hope in the midst of very discouraging times. We see this in our passage today. We see an example of a church that has risen above very difficult circumstances to have hope Here was a church that was experiencing severe persecution. They have seen some of their own members killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And yet, look at what Paul says as he writes to them. He says, I thank God for you and your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, but Paul also writes that they have become a model of faith for churches throughout the entire region. Their joy in the midst of suffering has become known throughout all of Macedonia and Achaia. Somehow this group of very ordinary people have learned some secrets about rising above circumstances and having lives marked by hope and even great joy. Now here's 
the part of this church that I want to focus on this morning. And I want to raise this question. How did this group of people manage to maintain this enduring hope, even when things could have been so discouraging? What were the reasons for their hope? You see, as I think about what God has for our church and what it means for us to live out God's vision for the church, I think this is so key. One of the ways that we can be a church that is attractive to others is by being people of hope. People that continue to have hope even when everything else around us tells us to be discouraged. My prayer is that we would be like this church in Thessaloniki, known by its faith and its hope and its love. In fact, for these next three weeks, starting today, this is what we're going to look at. What does it mean to be a church of faith and hope and love? Today we're going to take hope. So important. How did the Thessalonians do it? How did they maintain hope in discouraging times? Well, I have three observations. The first one we find in verse 4. Paul writes, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. You know, the Thessalonians knew that they were loved by God, that they were chosen by him. And this is really the heart of the gospel, and this is really the foundation of our hope. This is the good news. We have a God who loves us who has chosen us to be his children. And here's the amazing thing. He has chosen us, chosen us not because we are particularly bright or faithful or because of the purity of our hearts or our moral goodness or beautiful looks or because we always make the right decisions. He has just chosen us. We are of great value to him. Remember when I preached on the parable of the, the shepherd who lost one sheep out of a hundred and he leaves that sheep and searches for the one that is lost? Why? Because that sheep is so valuable to him. Because he loves that one sheep so much that he leaves 99 to search for the one. This parable tells us the simple truth that that. God sees us as very valuable. It tells us that God doesn't condemn us. This is an important reason for hope. Sometimes we are so accustomed to a loving God that it, it, it doesn't strike us that God could be a condemning God or an angry God. But he doesn't condemn. He wants to give us life. You know, John 3.16, these great... And 17 are great verses. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But here's, that's verse 16. 17 is so important as well. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So important for us to know that God does not condemn, that God always redeems that God wants to impart life to us. You know, over my years of ministry, I've talked to so many people that, who are down on themselves for the mistakes they've made in their life 
Why did I big that, buy that big house? Why did I put so much debt on my credit card? Why didn't I get my priorities straight, pay attention to my marriage? They're down on themselves. And in a sense, they are condemning themselves. Here's the good news that can give us hope in life. God is not condemning us. He's not condemning you. And if God doesn't condemn you, who are you to condemn yourselves? God wants you to get going. He has great plans for you, regardless of your past. Claim that promise today. Believe that promise, because you are loved by God, and he has chosen you for his purpose. The second reason for the Thessalonians' hope is the gospel came to them with power. I love this verse. Our gospel, or good news, came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. The gospel is not just words. Our faith isn't just ideas or doctrine or beliefs. It's power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The good news of Jesus Christ, this gospel that Paul is talking about in this passage, is that God not only loves us and is inclined toward us, but he has made a new power available to us, a power outside of ourselves. It's not something that we conjure up within ourselves. It's a power outside of ourselves that comes to us and invades our lives, lives within us, and helps us to live life in a new way, in a way that we could never live on our own. That's the gospel. And perhaps this, this power that in Ephesians says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to those who love him. This power is most clearly demonstrated in the way it changes lives. You know what this power says to us today? It says that regardless of where you are in your life right now, you are not stuck. If you are open to God's work in your life, God's power in your life, he will use any circumstance to grow us, to change us, to mature us, to do some deep healing work in our lives, to make us new people. Regardless of how things look, God has not abandoned us. God is working. You know, as I've thought about these last few years, here's what I think God is doing in so many people's life, lives right now, and maybe in us as a church and as a people. I think this is a time of pruning. Remember in John 15, Jesus talks about him being the true vine and God being the gardener. And God cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. This is how God works in our lives. This pruning is done in love. God prunes the branches so new life can appear and something new can rise up in its place. I think this is what God's doing in our church. He has pruned us. I believe that now, this next chapter, there's going to be new life, new growth, 
new things happening because God is working. It's just not up to us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The third reason for the Thessalonians' hope is that they have turned from idols and are serving the true God. Very interesting uh, passage here. Paul writes, your faith has become known throughout the region. And he says, we don't even have to say anything about it. Everybody knows. And did you notice what they are saying about the Thessalonians? For they themselves, verse 9, report what happened when we visited you. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You know, the time of the first century was a very religious time, as are many periods in history. Many, many different religions. Many idols, either big figurines or small figurines or tall statues. People looked to these idols to protect them from angry gods, to answer their prayers, whatever it may be. Very religious time. And Paul says that they turn from these idols, these worships of idols, to serve the true God. Now, idols are really interesting. I've said this before, I think, but it's so key. Idols are something that people give their hearts to, expecting to receive something that only God can give. So sometimes we look to idols to give us hope and joy and peace and life, those things that only God can give us. And I think one of the reasons for the Thessalonians' hope is that they have turned from these small idols to serve the true living God. Now, sometimes we think that we are a little more sophisticated, that we don't have idols. And to be sure, many, not many of us have ever worshipped little figurines or tall statues. We haven't had the same kind of idols that they did in the first century. But we do have idols. We look to things to give us hope and peace and joy, love, purpose. Those things that only God can give us. I think in our country today, some of our idols obviously are materialism or money. We look to it for security, for peace, for identity, for joy, for meaning. But here's what I think has happened in the last few years. I think politics has become one of our idols. That we are looking to politics to give us the things that only God has given us. You know, as God gets pushed from the center of life in the United States, we are going to worship something. And if we don't worship God, we'll worship something else. And I think what has happened is people have turned to politics to give them hope and security. That is why it's so weighted today, and people are so passionate about us. But here's the thing about idols. We look to them to give us all these things, but they always disappoint. 
they can't give us life and joy and love and purpose. We've got our priorities goofed up a little bit. And we've lost hope. Maybe this will be a time when we return to the living God that we will see that the disappointment of all those things where we have placed our hope and return to the living God. Let's pray together. You know, begin our time of prayer day. I'd like you to just talk to God for a second in the silence of your own heart and tell God where you are this morning. Honestly. Are you tired? Discouraged? Do you need hope? Love? And then ask God to give you hope. And open your heart to what God could do in your life. Lord, may we be people of hope, and may our hope rest in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.